And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. You lost your magic. They knocked you off your game. Your Carlness went right out the window. What's with this Carlness? It's not even a, a real word. It's a conjunction, a preposition. It's a philosophy, a way of life. It's your name with miss attached to it. Bob, listen to me. If you had done what I asked you to, to come in my dressing room before the show, you'd have known that you weren't supposed to come out here until I introduced you. Jack, I tried to get into your dressing room, but I didn't have a nickel. I understand you're pretty funny as a DJ. Comedy is a kind of hobby of mine. Well, well, actually, it's a little more than just a hobby. Reader's Digest is considering publishing two of my jokes. Really? Yeah. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Honey Dollar. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This time... It's a crime drama on Call the Police, starring Joseph Julian from 1947. Then it's part one of the Red Skelton Show, starring Red and all his gang. But first, let me say hello to my dimply co-hosts, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? What's up, Carl? Well, we're going to play a really cool kind of detective drama on Call the Police. I don't think we've ever aired one of these. No, I was just about to say that. Have you noticed we've been airing some kind of new classic radio shows? Kind of new. It's, yeah. it's sort of an oxymoron. New, old-time radio shows. Right. We've been getting a lot more shows in the library, and so I thought we'd play some. Good, let's do it. This was a police show. Joseph Julian and later George Petrie starred as Bill Grant, a former Marine whose father was a policeman killed in the line of duty. And Grant joins the FBI in the hopes of cleaning up the city. Others in the cast, Joan Tompkins and Amesy Strickland, as Grant's girlfriend, Libby Tyler. Grant's assistant, Sergeant Maggio, was played by Robert Dryden. It was sponsored by Lever Brothers and Lifebuoy Soap. That's You use Lifebuoy Soap, right? I use whatever soap I can find, Carl. Please use more it's of my it. My once-a-month day. Heard on NBC and CBS. All right, it's time now for The Case of the Kidnapped Killers. And this stars Joseph Julian. Here's part one of Call the Police. Rinso presents Call the Police. Attention, homicide section, flying squad detail, murder suspect in your zone, close in according to instructions. Between you and the evil outside the law, between you and the housebreaker, the kidnapper, the murderer, stands the policeman of your community. He gives up his sleep that you may sleep unafraid. He gives up his safety that you may be safe. And if need be, he gives up his life to protect yours. The Lever Brothers Company, makers of Triple Action Rinso, bring you Call the Police, starring Joseph Julian and Joan Tompkins. This new series of realistic radio dramas is inspired by the courageous work of police departments all over America. This is Commissioner Bill Grant. Every now and then a case comes along that makes me realize that the best way to outsmart a smart criminal is to let him outsmart himself. The case in point is number 96-42 in the Ashland police files. You might say that it really began the night Kid Coombs knocked out Felipe Gomez in the third round at the Arena Gardens. But the real trouble didn't get underway until next morning when Linda Lee... Hard, blonde, and expensive. Walked into the office of Coombs' manager. A tough tinhorn by the name of Maury Fenton. My name's Linda Lee, Mr. Fenton. What about it? Your boy knocked out Felipe Gomez in the third at the arena last night. 
So where do you come in? I'm Gomez's girl. Oh. Too bad Gomez went down so early, huh? He didn't mind too much. No? Why not? He got $1,500 for taking that dive. Is that so? Who gave it to him? You did, Mr. Fenton. If you're hungry for trouble, Miss Lee, you came to the right place. Sit still, Mr. Fenton. I don't care if Gomez wants to take it on the chin. It's his chin. I just don't think 1500 was enough money for the act. Somebody wants to know what you think I deal with, Gomez? You'll deal with me. Gomez is an easy maker. And you're a tough tomato, isn't it? Not as tough as some people. Not as tough, for instance, as... Vic Barstow. Vic Barstow. Oh, you know the name, huh? You cost Vic Barstow 20 grand last night, Mr. Fenton. Me? Barstow had 20 grand on Gomez to win by a knockout. You know anything about Barstow, Mr. Fenton? Enough. He might resent it if he knew you paid Gomez to take a dive. But he ain't gonna know, Miss Lane. Certainly not. If you lay 5000 on the line for me and Gomez... Somebody is whistling through their teeth. Well, if you won't listen to reason... Where are you going? Give Vic Barstow a ring. Miss Lee. Yeah? The weatherman says tomorrow's going to be a nice day. I'd hate to see you and Gomez miss it. It was an ugly deal from the word go. And it got steadily worse. Half an hour later, Vic Barstow was sitting in his penthouse suite in the Bancroft Plaza... Having a few words with his wife. What are you going to do, Vic? Eat your heart out? You lost the $20,000. Have a drink and forget it. I don't like to lose, Lil. I don't think I would have if it hadn't been for your little friend Gomez. He told me he was set to win that fight last night. Anybody can guess wrong, Vic. Anyhow, he phoned all day yesterday while I was out. Maybe he was calling to get you to cancel your bet. Maybe he was calling about something else. What do you mean? You know what I mean. Oh, Vic, please, don't be ridiculous. There's nothing between me and Gomez you... I'll get it. Hello? Barstow speaking. How would you like to know the name of the man who paid Gomez to lay down in the fight last night, Mr. Barstow? Hey, who is this? My name's Linda Lee. Would $5,000 be too much for a signed statement that it was a tin horn named Maury Fenton who paid Gomez to take a dive? Are you trying to pull a gag on me? Gomez has a furnished room at 122 Myrtle Street. Be there at 8 o'clock tonight with five grand in cash. And the gag will be on Fenton. Shortly before 9, as I got the story later, Linda Lee went up to Gomez's room on Myrtle Street and laid out the deal. And Gomez was petrified. You out of your mind, Linda? Fenton will knock us both off for a cross like this. Fenton's got to find us first. In 30 minutes, we'll be out of town with 5,000 brand new bucks. Come on, Felipe, be a smart boy. Sign this paper for Barstow. He'll be here in a few seconds. Forget it. You won't do it? Not for a million. Why, you yellow punch. Take it easy, you crazy bimbo. I'll tell you about my deal with Fenn for you to go around shooting your mouth. Who cares why you told me? You told me. If you won't come along for the ride, I'll do business with Barstow on my own. You think you will. What's going to stop me? Me again, you lousy pug. All and right. Be... 
Gomez went down fast for that long count. The one that never ends. What happened in that room for the next five minutes was anybody's guess. Then there was a knock on the door, and in walked Barstow. Gomez. Take it easy, Mr. Barstow. We don't need the cops in here right away. You shot him? Don't be silly. Shots came from that open window there. Is that so? Yeah, there's a fire escape just outside. Do you have any idea who it was killed him? Not exactly, Mr. Barstow, but Laurie Fenton said tonight he was going to. And I'm the little girl that heard him say it. I didn't hear anything about the case until the next day. I got to headquarters late. As I walked into my office, who was sitting behind my desk with his feet up, but my ever-loving sidekick, Sergeant Maggio. Ah, good morning, Commissioner. Don't let me disturb you, Maggio. Oh, that's okay. I was just sitting here figuring what it must be like to be a police commissioner. You don't have to figure, I'll tell you. Yeah? You remember one night out in the Pacific, we hit mortar fire, overhead bombing, and Jap guerrilla action all at once? Sure, I remember that time. Compared to this, that was duck soup. Oh, what's happened now? Oh, spent the morning with his honor, the mayor. He had a beef? Did he ever not have a beef? What's today's special? Fight racket in this city. He's getting complaints from everything from the Ladies' Aid Society to the Boxing Commission. Oh, then maybe you'll want to see her. Maybe I want to see who? The blonde who was in the waiting room. What blonde? Name's Lee. Linda Lee. What would I want to see her for? She's Felipe Gomez's girlfriend, Commissioner. Gomez? He's one of the fighters the mayor's got his eye on. Tell her to come in, Maggio. Okay. Commissioner wants to see you, Miss Lee. I want to see him. Mr. Grant? Sergeant Maggio tells me you're on uh, close terms with Felipe Gomez, Miss Lee. I was. You're not anymore? Well, it's hard to be on close terms with a dead man. What's that? Gomez was murdered. When? I don't know. I just found out about it a few minutes ago when I walked into his room. But you were just out there, sitting, calmly wasting time. I told that goon I wanted to see you. Goon? Hey, now, take wait it a easy, second. Take it easy, Maggio. Both of you take it easy. This job's going to be a snap. What do you mean? You know a fight manager named Maury Fenton? Yes, the mayor's been telling me about him. He's your boy. Maury Fenton killed Gomez? Yeah, he even told me he was going to. Why? He bribed Gomez to throw the fight last night. He was afraid Gomez was going to talk. You'll say that in court? That and some more. Maggio. Yeah, Commissioner? Get out of here and pick up Maury Fenton. Okay. He'll probably be up to his neck in alibis, but bring him in anyhow and hold him for questioning. Trust me, Commissioner. Now then, Miss Lee, where's the body? In a furnished room at 122 Myrtle Street. Is that where Gomez lives? Yeah, second floor rear. Good morning, Bill. Oh, hello, Libby. Bill, I... Oh, busy? Right now, it's murder. Literally? I'm afraid so. I'm driving over in a squad car to take a look at the scene of the crime. Um, those squad cars are built for two, you know, Bill. Sure. You're a member of the police department. Come on along. Oh, Miss Lee. Yeah? Stick around town for a while. We may want to talk to you some more. When Linda Lee walked into headquarters and announced that she found Felipe Gomez, the fighter, dead... Libby Tyler and I took a squad car over to Gomez's room. Doc Perkins, a couple of the boys from the fingerprint department, and a photographer gave the place the works. But when they'd left, I found they'd overlooked something. What have you got there, Bill? Something that ought to interest you, Libby. I found a jam behind this mirror. A woman's hat. Very smart. Probably belongs to Linda Lee. I don't think so, Bill. She was, she was Gomez's girl. Yeah, I know she was, but... I saw Linda Lee, and she doesn't have this kind of taste. No? No. 
This is a, a subdued, conservative little hat. It doesn't fit at all with the apparent exhibitionism of her nature. Psychology department at work, huh? Well, after all, it's what I get paid for, Bill. Now, a hat like this is a very exclusive model. It, it's very likely the only one of its kind. Parisian. Mm-hmm. Probably made by... Well, here we are. What is it? There's a tag inside. Made by the Madame shop for Mrs. Victor Barstow. Vic Barstow. That was a name everybody knew who had ever been close to the fight racket in this town. Mrs. Barstow's hat in Gomez's room meant only one thing to me. She had found out that Felipe Gomez was young and dark and handsome. I told Libby I'd meet her back at headquarters, and I took a walk over to Barstow's suite in the Bancroft Plaza. When I showed Barstow the hat, he took it slow and easy, like a man who's learned that romance is no bargain. My wife isn't in right now, Commissioner. He's, uh, he's out shopping. For a new hat? Uh, could be. You don't happen to know where she was last night, about 8 o'clock, do you? No. No, why? I'd just like to be sure she wasn't at Gomez's place, that's all. You can be sure. How would you know? Because I was at Gomez's place. What? Well, didn't Linda Lee tell you? No. She said she walked in and found the body this morning. Oh, I see. Come on, what's the story? All right, Grant, I'll tell you. Miss Lee phoned me here yesterday and told me to be at Gomez's place at 8 o'clock sharp. So? When I walked in, Gomez was on the floor, full of bullets. And Miss Lee was standing over him. Linda Lee, huh? Yes. I had an idea I was going to want to talk to her some more. Yes, Commissioner? Did you pick up Maury Fenton, Maggio? Yeah, but I'm having trouble holding him. Alibi? Just like he said. A good one? The best. He was out of town last night. Well, don't worry about it. No? No, I want you to get hold of Linda Lee and work fast. Send a couple of boys over to her hotel. Check. Give them ten minutes to report back. If she's not in her room, send out a general alarm. You want her bad, don't you? Jack. You think she's left town, Bill? She would if she knew what I had on my mind, Libby. You think she killed Gomez? Right now, she's Exhibit A. With a motive? What's the matter with jealousy for a motive? Linda Lee was Gomez's girl. But he was also more than friends with Mrs. Barstow. Yes. Isn't that enough for a woman to commit murder? A jealousy motive is all right if she has a mercurially adjusted personality. You don't say. But a practical girl like Linda Lee is a totally objective expert. Uh, Spare me the analysis of the criminology uh, department, Libby. All I want to do is to locate Miss Lee. Uh, Yes? Commissioner Grant? Yes? Linda Lee. It's the objective extrovert herself, Libby. Glad to hear your voice, Miss Lee. Why? I've got men out looking for you. I talked to Vic Barstow, and he says you didn't find Gomez's body this morning. Didn't I? No, you were in Gomez's room when he was shot around 8 o'clock last night. Commissioner, I'm going to hold an auction. An auction? You heard me. What's going on the block? The name of Felipe Gomez murderer. Oh, I see. You'll want to be in on it, won't you? The police don't buy information, Miss Lee. You want to bid or don't you? What time? 6 o'clock. Okay. You'll be here? You'll tell me where to be. I'm at... Miss Lee. Miss Lee. What happened? Miss Lee, where are you? I'm... I sat there yelling her name into the phone. And then I heard the receiver being placed back on the hook at the other end. And I sat there with a dead telephone in my hand and the murderer grinning at me at the other end of the connection. 
Commissioner? I just had a call from the Lee woman, Maggio. Yeah? Where is she? I don't know. But wherever she is, she was just shot. What do you know? Maybe it was that... Trace that call and let me hear as soon as you know where it came from. Well, you can't always trace a call, Commissioner. Make this one of the times you can. You see, Bill, the objective extrovert type rarely commits murder out of jealousy. You mean you were right? I didn't say that, Bill. I, I never say I told you so. But if Linda Lee is the murderer, then who fired those shots? That is a big question. When you're dealing with a jealousy motive, you see, you really ought to have a suspect who's a mercurially adjusted personality. Mm-hmm. How do you know we haven't got one? What? What do we know about Mrs. Barstow? Why are we only thinking in one direction? What do you mean? Mrs. Barstow was going with Gomez just as much as Linda Lee was. Why couldn't she have been the one who got jealous and killed them both? I don't know. Neither do I. But I'm going to find out. Where are you going? Back to the Bancroft Plaza. I want to see how fast Mrs. Victor Barstow can talk. When I got to the Barstow suite in the Bancroft Plaza, I found Vic Barstow all alone. Well, what's on your mind this time, Commissioner? Linda Lee has just been shot. So? I want to see your wife. Why? Because I think she may be the one who killed Linda Lee. Forget it, Grant. You're in the wrong pew. I don't think so. I know so. Is there an explanation that goes with this? You bet there is. Well? What time was Linda Lee shot? An hour and 20 minutes ago. What about it? Only this, Grant. I talked to my wife over the phone an hour and a half ago. Where was she? At the Yacht Landing Club. Alibi, huh? I'm afraid so. Now, let's have a drink. Now, what's the number of the Yacht Landing Club? I told you, Grant. You're way off the beam. What's the number of the Yacht Landing Club? Can't you take my word for it? Nope. Grant. Okay, Barstow, I'll find it for myself. He gave me the number before I could look it up. But he was worried as I dialed. He let his head fall into his hands as a foreign voice at the other end of the wire said... This is Police Commissioner Grant. Ah, yes, Commissioner. I want to speak to Mrs. Victor Barstow. Mrs. Barstow? Yes. Oh, but Mrs. Barstow is not here. What time did she leave? Leave? Yes. Oh, there, there must be some mistake, Commissioner. Mrs. Barstow has not been here at all today. Lying to the police can be a very expensive habit, Mr. Barstow. All right. Arrest me. Why did you tell me a cockeyed story like that? It was a chance, Commissioner. Just a chance. Of all the spots to pick, the Yacht Landing Club. I picked it because it's 40 miles outside of town. What does that mean? Well, you said Linda Lee was shot an hour and 20 minutes ago. I figured that if I said I talked to my wife an hour and a half ago at the club, it would be a solid out for her. It would mean she couldn't have shot Miss Lee. Why? How could she get from the Yacht Landing Club to Gomez's rooming house in 10 minutes? Oh. Mm-hmm. I see. The truth is, I think she did kill them both. But I wanted to protect her. I love her, Grant. I can't help myself. Now, just take it easy. But you need some fresh air. Come on, let's take a walk over to Gomez's place and have a look at Linda Lee's body. That's the first portion of Call the Police. More after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Now back to Call the Police. Barstow and I went up the stairs to the second floor. The door to Gomez's room was half open. I gave it a shove. 
And there was Linda Lee, on the floor, with two bullets in her, dead. Cops should be used to sights like that, but I guess I'm not. Do they... Do they have to leave the body lying here like this, Grant? That'll be tended to, Barstow. How could Lil do this? But you believe she did. What choice have I got? Why, even the first time I asked her not to see Gomez, she was like a tiger. She was really in love with him, huh? She was infatuated with him. She went for him because he was slick and dark. Well, the honeymoon's over now. Gomez is dead, and your wife is up for murder. Well, you could say they both got what they deserved, huh? You could. You were a stickler for justice. Hey, listen. Somebody's coming. High heels. Do you suppose it could be? Come in, Mrs. Barstow. What's happening here? We've just been talking about you. Victor. Victor, what are you doing here? Take a look on the floor. <gasps> Who is it? Linda Lee. Your friend Gomez's girl. Who killed her? Didn't you? Me! Because she was Gomez's girlfriend? Because you were jealous? No! The same way you killed Gomez. That's a lie! All right, Mrs. Barstow, that's a lie. What are you doing here? Linda Lee phoned me this afternoon and said for me to be here at six, Commissioner. Yes? Yes! She said something about holding an auction. An auction? I know it sounds strange, but it's true. I went by Commissioner Grant's office and told a Sergeant Maggio the whole story just before I came over here. You can tell a police sergeant anything you dream up, Lil. You've got to believe me! But we don't. Speak for yourself, Barstow. What? I believe her. I got the same phone call from Miss Lee. She was going to try to sell the name of Gomez Murderer. Gomez Murderer? Interesting, huh, Barstow? Which reminds me, I've got to call headquarters. Headquarters? Yes, I have to tell them where they can find Linda Lee's body. What? I know it comes as a shock to you, Barstow, but nobody had any idea where Linda's body was until you told me a few minutes ago at your hotel. What are you talking about? You said you picked the Yacht Landing Club because it would be impossible to get from there to Gomez Place in ten minutes. You see, you slipped when you mentioned Gomez Place. Because you were the only person in the world who knew Linda had been shot in this room. Now, wait a minute. It was a simple mistake. You were sure somebody had heard those two shots when you killed Linda, and you took it for granted they'd sent for the police long ago. But unfortunately, Barstow, nobody did hear those shots. And therefore, nobody called the police. Put down that phone. Victor. Wait a minute now, Barstow. Put it down. I don't like to lose, Commissioner. I killed Gomez because he was taking my wife away from me. And in my book, a man's got that right. Is a man also the right to shoot Linda Lee? What was she taking away from you? Linda Lee was here the night I shot Gomez from the fire escape. She saw me. She was going to help me throw the blame on Fenton for a price. And then she made the price too high? You guessed it. I wouldn't pay. And she was going to sell me out to the highest bidder. So you shot her. You can see for yourself. Oh, Victor. Don't give me that. What's here is on your head. You were my wife, Lil. And you were running around with Gomez. You're not the first man who ever got to run around, Barstow. Why didn't you bow out? I told you. I don't like to lose. And I'm not going to let you two keep me from winning either. It's going to take more than another murder to keep you from losing now. Nobody else has anything on me, Commissioner, except you two. And without drawing any straws, you're first. No. No! Go ahead, yell. Only remember, nobody heard the shot the last time. And I don't think they'll hear these. We'll take a last look around, Commissioner. Because this is it. Victor! Commissioner! Maggio! Are you hurt, Commissioner? No, I'm okay. Well, I gave Mrs. Barstow a trail after she left headquarters, and it looks like a good thing I did. I always thought you were beautiful, Maggio. But believe me, you never looked lovelier. (laughs) 
Nance Levy? Oh, I'd love to, Bill. But uh, there's somebody coming over to our table. Oh, Mrs. Mrs. Barstow. I realize that I'm partly to blame for everything that's happened, but I did want to thank you for all you did. Oh, forget it. Being a policeman is my business. You're a very clever commissioner. Dick didn't fool you for a minute by pretending to be shielding me with that yacht club alibi, did he? Well, that was pretty transparent stuff, Mrs. Barstow. He was trying to look like a loving husband so he could put the blame on you. I know. Anyway, thanks again, Commissioner. Goodbye, Miss Barstow. Bye. Attractive, isn't she, Libby? Do you think so? Looks a little worn to me. But she dresses smartly. You said so yourself. Probably has nothing on her mind but clothes and men. More coffee, Libby? Thank you. Libby. Yes? What was that type that you said could get jealous enough to kill? A person with a mercurially adjusted personality. Why? Oh, nothing. Except this is the first time I ever poured coffee for a young lady whose personality is mercurially adjusted. Sure to be with us next Tuesday night when Lever Brothers Company, makers of Rinso, bring you another exciting, realistic police case. Listen next week to the case of a violent vegetable. This is NBC, the National Broadcasting Company. And that's Call the Police from June 10th, 1947, with the case of the kidnapped killers, starring Joseph Julian, also in the cast, Joan Tompkins, that was sponsored by Rinso and Lifeboy, is heard on NBC. Before we tune in to part one of the Red Skelton Show, I want to remind all of our listeners that we have a website. It is Hollywood360radio.com. What's there, Lisa? We have a podcast of True. our show. It is one week behind our actual broadcast, but you can check out any part of Hollywood 360 that you might miss during the week. We also have some photos, and uh, what do we have there? There's lots of photos of you there. A lot of photos of Carl. Yeah. What else is there? Well, our schedule is there. You know, there. the great thing about the podcast, as you were saying, is, you know, this show is sometimes on late. It's syndicated across the country, but it's on a lot of radio stations, like almost 200 stations, but a lot of the stations are on late, and you may fall asleep like Lisa does when we're doing the show. Yeah, so well, oh, I can't think of anything better to do. If you fall asleep and you miss any of the program, just listen to our podcast. Or, That's what Lisa does. Yeah, or if your station doesn't play all four hours of our show, this is your opportunity to catch up. Yeah, all right, go to Hollywood360radio.com. Okay, it's time for part one of the Red Skelton Show. This, of course, was a comedy series. And after several 1937 appearances on the Rudy Valley Show, Red became the star of NBC's Avalon Time, a series sponsored by Avalon Cigarettes that featured Red in a supporting cast of song and comedy. In 1941, Red starred in the Rally Cigarette Program, where he developed characters, including the punch-drunk boxer Cauliflower McPug, inebriated Willie Lump Lump, and Junior the Mean Widow Kid. He also created country bumpkin Clem Cadiddlehopper and con man San Fernando Fred. Supporting Red were band leader Ozzie Nelson and singer Harriet Hilliard. When Red was drafted, 
1944, Ozzy and Harriet starred in their own situation comedy show. We all know that and love it, The Adventures of Ozzy and Harriet. The series uh, picked up after Red's tour in 1945, made a seamless transition to television. We have an episode of The Red Skelton Show for you now from November 25th, 1947. The skit on this program is called The Radio Fanfare. Here's part one of The Red Skelton Show. From Metro-Golden-Mare, we present Red Skelton. Thank you very much. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Hiya, Rod. Good evening, Red. I'm... Good evening. <laughs> wait, wait, now you've, now you've thrown the show off timing, you know. You're just supposed to say, hi, Red. Now you've put in something, we're dead. Well, I know I'm supposed to say. <laughs> I'm we're supposed dead to... before you said yes, that. Yes, I know I'm supposed to say, hi, Red, but I think it's kind of silly standing up here saying, hi, Red, hi, Rod, hi, Red, hi, Rod. Well, at least they can't say we're warmongering. <laughs> You must think you're Walter Kiernan or somebody. <laughs> well, if you ever catch me saying hi there, Red, or howdy, Red, or hello, Red, you can have ten bucks from my salary. Oh, I can't do that, Rod. Why not? Ten from seven don't go. <laughs> That's better than what's written here, believe me. Yes, sir. Anytime I say one of those corny high reds, you can have ten bucks. Okay, it's a bet now. Okay. Only, but I don't. I'm superstitious about betting. I don't like to even even money, you know, like that. So uh, either make it higher or lower. Well, you want it higher or lower? Higher, Red. Higher, Rod. That's ten bucks you owe me now. That's no fair. You tricked me. I should have said lower. Lower. How you spell lower? L O. Hello, Rod. <laughs> You want to add lib and go broke, go ahead. Well, let's talk about something else. All right. Hey, do you know anybody like to buy some medals cheap from the last war? I mean, medals are the kind that you pin on your chest? Yeah. No, oh, why? I hear General Myers wants to sell his good conduct ribbon cheap. <laughs> well, I see you've been following the congressional inquiry. Which one? Hart Hughes, Red. Fine, Hart Hughes, Rob. <laughs> And I'll be Costello. Huh? You take the high hooper, and I'll take the low hooper, and I'll be looking for a sponsor before you. Huh? Well, I gave up the bets off. I'll give you the money after the show. Oh, forget about it. Hey, I've got an idea how we can make a fortune in them. Really? Yeah, a new way of making money. You listening? Sure, go ahead. I'm all ears. Yeah. <laughs> I knew your rabbit blood would come out sooner or later. No, I've got, I've got, I've got a new way of uh, presenting a program. Now, there are a lot of programs on the air nowadays with contests. Well, I've got a contest to end all contests. How does it work? This is all you have to do. Is to send us $10,000 or a brand new convertible coupe or a combination radio phonograph, and we'll send you a statement of 25 words or less saying how we appreciate it. <laughs> all you got to do is guess who is Mrs. <laughs> Well, you know, I think if you run a contest, you've got to give the people something. Yeah? Even if it's only something silly looking to put on their mantle. Yeah, I know. Well, you don't have to look at me, Doc. <laughs> the Skelton Scrapbook of Satire. <laughs> what do you like that? He's got followers now. I hope that piano takes its little hammers and beats both of your heads in with it. 
Chapter 21 tonight is entitled Radio Fanfare. Those Dave Rose arrangements. <laughs> yes, sir, boy. Here I am down the rail radio station. I sure wish I could find one of them quiz shows. I I love to stump them experts, you know. <laughs> I really stumped them too. I've been on ten of them, and not one of them could figure out what I was. <laughs> now they got me in the funny papers every Sunday, you know. Oh, there's Rod O'Connor. Howdy doody. Howdy, Clem. Say, where's the newsroom around here? My ma sent me out to get the weather reports and had to come in out of the rain, you know. Weather report? Yeah. If it ain't gonna really rain, why, she's gonna wash my face, you know. (laughs) That's a brilliant line, isn't it? hear anything like that again, I'll tell you. <laughs> Chapter three of A Little Boy and His Dog. Junior! Junior! Now, where can that child be? Oh, Junior! <laughs> oh, Iron Lungs is on the prowl again. <laughs> what you want, kiddo? What are you doing in that tree? Hmm? Are you in that bird's nest? Oh, no, no, no. I playing Tarzan up here. You see, and me widow dog is the lion, see? Oh. So I just white millered up here, you know, just for... Now I'm out on a limb. But you're not out on a limb. If you don't believe what I just said, I is. Well, here, I'll help you down. No, I can jump. I can jump. <coughs> Are you all right? Well, now, let's see. Oh, wait, my leg. My leg's missing. My leg's missing. <laughs> I love my leg. Junior, I lost my leg. Your leg is not missing. Yes, it is too. My leg is gone. You only have two legs and they're both there. I'm talking about the chicken leg I got out of the ice box. <laughs> oh, look, the puppy's eating a cat. Come here, give me that. Chicken bones is bad for puppies. They'll splinter and make you choke to death. You shouldn't do that. Oh, I give up. Huh? Which reminds me, you'd better bring your dog inside and hide him. Why? Your mother will be home from work soon. And if she sees him before I have a chance to explain, she might not let you keep him. Now, hurry. Okay. Come on, puppy. Come on, puppy. Come on, boy. Come on. Go in the house. Go in the house. You know, he hates to go in the house. I wonder why. He used to belong to a veteran, and he don't know where the house is. Come on. Come on now. Come on. Come on. Come on, boy. Now, go in the house. Please. Go, go in the house, will you? Please. Go. Look. Look. Pick him up and show him in the house. Okay. Now what are we going to do? The dog's inside, but we're still outside. Oh, well, open the door real easy and we'll sneak in. Okay. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Now we're in there when the dog's out. Oh, well, let's try again. Okay, okay. I had him. Now hurry and close the door. Okay. No more let me in. I forgot to come in at your outside. Oh, now the dog is out again. Well, look, I'll toss the dog inside the house, and then you run in and shut the door fast. Yes? Okay. Uh, I don't know where we is now. (laughs) 
that you hold me to him now. One, two, three, fight. <laughs> that did it, boy. Now, now what happened? The puppy and me is outside and they're marching now. Goodness. Well, you know what, Junior? What? That dog's smarter than we are. Well, speak for yourself, kiddo. Speak for yourself. There must be some way of getting him in the house. I got it. Now be ready to slam the door. <laughs> Look out, here comes the dog catcher. Yes! We do it! We do it! Boy, here, dog, now get your head from under the rug there. I was only kidding about the dog catching. Well, I better phone your grandfather and warn him that there's a dog in the house and uh, to be friendly so he won't get bit. Ah, why, the way he staggers around, the dog couldn't get a good hold of him, Junior, your grandfather does not stagger in. He's been awfully tired lately because he has to take care of his family and he has quite a load on his shoulders. I got news for you, Craig. <laughs> he got quite a load, but it's not on his shoulder, boy. Now you come here. Now, 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 don't come. you hit me. Don't you dare. Don't you look at me like that. You just gives me the expression that you was mad and you was going to whip me. And, and I will tell you. You will tell what? I will tell everybody that, that uh, you was with the pilgrims on Plymouth Rock. Why, I was not. I'm not that old. Oh, no. Uh, hey, Werner, Miles Standish, he's upset because Priscilla turned him down. Poor lad. I'll have to introduce him to Pocahontas. <laughs> That's enough. Now, you keep an eye on that dog while I go and fix dinner. <laughs> I took it. You're all mixed up. Here, stop barking. Stop barking. Stop barking now. My, you is the funniest looking little dog I ever seen in my life. Did you ever know how funny looking you is? Look at yourself in the mirror. Go ahead. Oh, don't be sad about the way you look. Don't put yourself between your legs. Now, don't you break in me with your heart, you think. You should never be afraid to look at yourself in the mirror. Because when you look in the mirror, you see yourself as you really are. Now, watch me look at myself. You see what I mean? You see what I mean? Now, now, you happy? You happy? Here, here, stop licking me kisser, will you? Stop that. Quit it. Your germs will make my germs sick. Now, quit it. Here, where are you going? No, get out of your living room. You're not la- come, come here, doggy. Don't pull that scarf on the piano. It's got the flower vase sitting on top of it. Please let go. Let go. Please, that's Nemo's favorite vase. No, no. Well, sure, I couldn't have done a better job myself. That's the first part of the Red Skelton Show. More of Hollywood 360 after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Next time, it's the conclusion to the Red Skelton Show from 1947. Then a good Western on Straight Arrow from 1951. That's next time here on Hollywood 360. We'll see you then.